You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on everybody this is jim kemsky from phillyvoice.com with me as always is brandon lee gowden of bgn bleedingvnation.com we are recording bgn radio episode number 128 it's been a while we haven't recorded an episode in what like almost three weeks three weeks exactly brandon something like that well it was two weeks jimmy of course you remember because we definitely recorded those last two episodes (laughs) on different weeks and not at the same time and then spaced (laughs) them out so uh but yeah, it's been a while, Jimmy. It's good to hear from you again. Obviously, there's been no Eagles news at all <laughs> in any form since the last How time. How dare we us try to enjoy our lives for a little bit? And all of a sudden, you know, there, nothing happens for like months. And then, like, you know, middle of July, you're kind of like, you know, beginning to middle of July, you're kind of like, all right, well, I'll get to take it easy, go to the beach a little bit. Personally, like, you know, spend time with my daughter. And then, bang, just, it's like, it's almost like when you like hold um, like a, a hose, you fold it, you fold a hose. And like the water builds up, and then you let it go, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of what happened with like Eagles news while we while we weren't recording podcasts here for a little while. So before we get into everything, I of course want to remind everyone that BGN Radio is presented by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Now you can eat the same meat snacks that the Eagles eat as well. You can go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for fifteen percent off orders of fifty dollars or more. Jimmy, we have a lot to talk about here in terms of Jason Peters coming back, but. We didn't talk about Deshaun Jackson last week, and you know we're not going to go into uh, like uh, you know we're not going to go into like a thirty minute discussion here. But felt right, like, so that, that news cycle has come and gone basically. Uh-huh. But obviously, an important thing to bring up because what Deshaun Jackson did, which everyone knows by now, sharing anti-Semitic uh, sentiment on his Instagram story, and then really, I guess. People not even noticing, basically, like, for a day. That was the weirdest thing about it, by the way. Like, when I first saw that, it was like, wait, he did this, like, two days ago? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how is this only coming out now? Pretty crazy. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, just don't quote Hitler ever. Like, that's <laughs> right. it's a good, like, rule of thumb right. to not do. You, I mean, you can't be like, you know, Hitler was a terrible guy. But he did. He did have a good brisket recipe. Like, like even that. Don't even. Don't even acknowledge that. Don't even. I mean, not acknowledge. Just don't compliment Hitler in any way. Don't say any of Hitler's ideas were good. Nothing about just Hitler bad across the board is the way is the way to go. Very bad. Uh, Deshaun obviously apologized multiple times. The the Eagles find him, so they're not cutting him clearly. Although for now, saying there's yeah, I, I want to yeah clear that up like. Then in the statement, they made it very clear this is still, like, an ongoing thing in terms of, like, Sean needs to show growth, basically, is how I interpret their statement. Like, he can't, like, if he takes another misstep, then I think he could be gone. Like, if he doesn't, like, show that he, like, learned from this and he kind of does, you know, something dumb like that again, like, 
you know, there's really no leeway at that point. Anti-Semitism obviously means a lot to Jeffrey Lurie being Jewish. And also that he like, ironically, it's crazy that he has this documentary you know, <laughs> coming out. That's uh, obviously against anti-Semitism and, uh, you know, a big theme in that documentary is apparently Hitler. The meaning of Hitler. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's called. called. The meaning of Hitler. Yeah. So I guess it's more than just more than just about Hitler. You know, so like it's uh, it it means a lot to to him. And then, yeah, I mean, what what Deshaun did was indefensible and some people Mm -hmm. have defended it, but it's it's totally indefensible what what he what he put out there. I do. Give him credit for, you know, he's reportedly going to Poland to visit Auschwitz, the right. uh, the German concentration camp. So uh, he is at least making an effort toward, you know, learning about what Jewish people went through. Uh, he's going there with a Holocaust survivor, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I do give him credit for taking steps toward um, making the situation better. It took He took uh, Julian Edelman up on his offered to i think it was what to go to the uh the holocaust museum in washington yep. dc is that right which i want to do that too at some point i haven't done that yet but apparently mm-hmm. that's awesome like i mean it's not awesome in that it's it's right. horrible like it's a really bad experience to actually go there and go through it but it's awesome in terms of like sort of uh, uh from a you learning the perspective yeah right exactly so uh that's something i want to do at some point but um yeah, uh, we, we already kind of missed everything on on uh, on that whole news cycle, so we won't go too much into that. Do you have anything to add in terms of, like, um, Deshaun on the field? I mean, the Eagles really need him. Like, that's a, a re- big reality of this conversation is, like, from an on-the-field standpoint, like, I, and I think Deshaun could have a huge year. I really do, um, you know, assuming with the, the always caveat that there is a season, like, Carson and Deshaun were just so much on the same page from the jump last year. Yeah. Like, like really in OTAs, like the first practice, basically, like I, I remember so much of my training camp or even uh, OTAs, mini camp notes from last year had to do with like just Carson and Deshaun looking awesome together. And then you saw that in week one when, you know, they combined for what, like nine receptions or whatever, eight receptions for 154 yards and like two touchdowns. Um, yeah, so like, and they really need him because when you look at their receiving core, not a lot of proven short things there. So, you know, having Deshaun is going to be huge on the field. And I definitely think the team is, is a cognizant of that as well. Yeah, you and I both knew, obviously, they were going to address the wide receiver position in the draft with, you know, 10 draft picks and a loaded wide receiver class. But you and I also both thought they were going to address it in free agency. They didn't do that. So as a result, they don't have a lot of experience at the wide receiver position. And he's like the one he's like his career numbers are like I put this out in uh I believe it was a mailbag, I believe, pretty recently, but he like his career numbers like triple all the rest of the receivers on the roster combined. And the majority of like the receptions, yards, and touchdowns come via Marquise Goodwin, who who knows if he's even gonna make the team. So like it's like uh you know, it's him, and then there's a lot of young guys and a lot of unproven guys. Also, that's taken Alshon Jeffrey out of the equation, too, assuming he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. We'll get to him later, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, the, the receiving corp is – the receiving corps are, like, they're just – it's like, – without Deshaun, you're basically looking at a similar situation that they, they could be in – that they were in last year where they just don't have that deep threat uh, unless, obviously, Jalen Rager – comes along very quickly and, and shows that he can be a game breaker from day one. Obviously, that's dicey with uh, sort of a shortened off season, both in terms of no OTAs, no mini camp, no um, no rookie camp, and then some kind of bastardized version of, of training camp upcoming. So, like, it's going to be difficult for him to to contribute 
from day one like he might otherwise during a normal offseason. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in a nutshell, yeah, I guess the too long uh, didn't read version is he's pretty important to this team. And if he were, you know, if he were to be cut, it would be a, a pretty substantial loss. Also important to this team, Jimmy, is Jason Peters because the Eagles re-signed him to a one-year deal worth three million guaranteed, up to six million, which I think I believe is what he made last year total six million. And the Eagles are listing one Jason Peters, future Hall of Fame left tackle, at right guard. Yeah, what's your instant reaction here, Jimmy? Uh so instant reaction. I asked you for like a couple days later. <laughs> right. I mean, the money's fine. I think the money. I think. You know, it's a, it's a reasonable amount of money to, to give him. Actually, it's a lot less than I thought he would he would wind up getting, either with the Eagles or, or elsewhere. He helps, even though he's going to start. He helps their depth pretty you know pretty significantly because now he's also your backup left tackle. He's your starting right guard, and he would he would he probably be your backup right tackle too? Is that kind of how you see that, or they just plug somebody else in there? I think it would be Jason Peters, unless because like how, who else is it going to be? Do they really f- feel it great about like Jack, Jack Driscoll, Driscoll or Jordan, Jordan Mailata there? Work there. Matt Pryor's obviously worked there, but I think they'd probably just move him over to right tackle and fill in Pryor at right guard. So he's he's now your backup at both tackle. He's basically your he's yeah. basically what Halapulavati Vitai was last year, where like he was going to play right guard if Brooks wasn't back in time for the season. But he was also sort of their better, you know, their swing tackle uh, as well. So he's kind of in that role, but more permanently for the season, obviously, because we know that Brooks is gone for the whole season, as opposed to just not, you know, we're not we're not sure if he's if he's going to be there ready for week one or not. I mean, he's he helps their depth uh, pretty significantly. You know, to be determined if he can actually play right guard, we'll see. Like I, mm-hmm. we've seen plenty of like veteran offensive tackles move to guard, but the bigger issue here is moving from the left side to the right side. I think he actually did play right tackle one season, like really early in his career. 10 games for, in 2005. Okay. It's not that far into him, but again, that was what, like 15 years ago, probably. So like, mm-hmm. it's been a long time. And then I think his, uh, his veteran leadership in the locker room shouldn't be overlooked. And then just from like a fun perspective, like just as a, like what from like a fan type view, it'll, and just a, an observer of football. It'll be fun watching Kelsey Peters and, and Lane Johnson on the same side of the line. Mow some people down there. It's like roll, steamroll some defenders. Yeah, and then, and then obviously, you know, you have the whole Dillard consideration where he yeah. served. I think, you know, the, the first thing that, that a lot of people brought up, and uh, I don't blame him for that, is that he's Dillard bust insurance. Yeah, Or, I mean, or I, maybe more. <laughs> I, I think it's a huge – so I think there's a lot of layers to this. So I want to get, first of all, like the big question, like, the most important question of this is like Jason, can Jason Peters actually play right guard? You know, there's reason to be optimistic in that this is a future Hall of Famer. JP is like a grinder in terms of like technique and studying and everything. Um, you know, it's, this isn't a guy like only relying on pure talent. You see how closely Jason Peters works with other players and is constantly like coaching up his own teammates. You know, like when he was hurt and Big V had to play, like he was constantly, he's like texting Big V or whatever, like, you know, throughout the week or whenever, just like whenever he could, just trying to give him tips. So, you know, I think he has the mentality for it. But, you know, talking to good friend of BGN Radio and formerly, you know, on BGN Radio when we used to do the WIP shows back in the day, Trey Thomas. Uh, former Eagles left tackle. I was kind of talking to him, and it was going to be here. It was, I was going to do this for an episode on BGN Radio, but the audio didn't really work out. 
So I'm going to try to write it up for a post and said on bleedinggreennation.com. But I was talking to Trey about you know what he thought like about JP's move to right guard, and he expressed some skepticism. Didn't mm-hmm. you know okay. like rule it out? But he he's not like. Just it's not like a, a nothing thought. I think so many people just feel like, oh, you just move them over, like it's right. Madden. You know, it's, right. it doesn't work right, like right, that. Right, it's not right. that simple. Right. Like you're talking about going from left to right, as you said. So I don't want to say you can't do it, but I also want to say like, you know, this is an off season where practice reps are limited. Uh, this is a player who's like going to be 39 in January. Like this, this isn't just like an automatic thing. And I think on paper, he's probably a better option than Matt Pryor would be at right guard. But like. I don't know. It's just not a guarantee. I don't think you can just say like easily, like, oh, Jason Peters, the right guard, definitely going to work. No questions about it. But I, I tried to f- come up with uh, players in the past that have moved from left guard to right, left tackle to right guard at some point in their career, uh, like late in their career. And I, I couldn't, like, I had trouble finding them. Did, I don't know. If, did, you, did you try to do that in any way? Yeah, I couldn't find. I, I mean, I was, I was trying to even do just tackle to guard and see. Um, like what would be relevant there, and I don't know, just don't have the comp. Yeah. So what what did uh what did Trey say would be like? Did he give like any kind of uh like technical reasons why it would be hard to do? Yeah, and all of that, all of that in depth. I don't have it off the top of my head here. Okay. I have to go back and look at the audio and transcribe that. So a couple of days ago now, but um, but yeah, I'm gonna have that for a post. The other thing I want to get into here though, Jimmy, because I think it's important, and you mentioned it is is the Andre Dillard factor. Sure. Like that's huge. I think that's a huge thing, and I. Like, I want to clear the timeline here because I think some people are like, I just want it to be clear that I think the way the Eagles can spin this is that like, oh, we only brought Jason Peters back because Brandon Brooks got hurt. Well, okay. Then why were there reports back in January <laughs> yeah. that the Eagles were split on Jason Peters returning? And my read on that is that like the front office wanted, you know, to probably move on and go with Dillard because this is the guy they invested a first round pick on. But the coaching staff doesn't care about that. They want the best guy out there. And they know that Jason Peters is probably the best guy out there, at least better than Andre Dillard. So again, that's just my read on it. And then again, back in like late or back in May before Jason Peters, or sorry, before Brandon Brooks, way before Brandon Brooks even got hurt, Derek Gunn is out here saying that it was only a matter of time until the Eagles repeatedly Degon like put it out there a few different times that it was only a matter of time, and he's actually the one that broke that Peters was coming back, if I recall right. Yes. Like just now, yes. like he, he's yep. the one that actually came up that had the story first. Yeah, so I don't want to hear that like Jason Peters is only back in at the Novacare Complex because like the Brandon Brooks injury. Like I just don't buy that. They clearly, in some form, wanted him back. So you know that raises questions about Andre Dillard. So does the fact that we've heard. Uh, there was, there's been at various times, like rumors, however substantiated or not, that one was from Derek Gunn, that the Eagles were dangling Andre Dillard out there, um, or at least, you know, open to kind of moving him in some way. Uh, and the things you've said previously, Jimmy, about, you know, the team kind of being worried about his mental side of things and the outbursts that happened, which were, there were multiple last year. It's just a weird situation, man, because like, if you're Andre Dillard, like, how much are you not looking over your shoulder knowing that Jason Peters, future Hall of Fame tackle, is in the building? And if you have a couple rough games, aren't you going to think? Now, I mean, I, he can't think this way. And he has to go in, you know, and be confident in himself. But, I mean, the reality of the situation is, like, if Dillard's struggling out there, do the Eagles not think there's going to be a conversation from fans, you know, from media? That there's going to be questions to Doug Peterson and whoever that like, hey, are you going to consider moving Jason Peters over because your left tackle is struggling? Like, isn't that a very real thing? Oh, sure. Of course. 
Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Like, if he struggles, if he struggles in week one, like forget like a couple games. If he has a bad mm-hmm. week one, you know, the, there are going to be calls like, oh, you got to move JP over and then put in Briar at right guard. You just can't mess around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that'll happen if he has a bad game week one, no question. So, like, the, they do run the risk of that a little bit, but at the same time, you'd probably rather you know be prepared to have a guy that can step in and play left tackle if you need him to because you're you know the the guy that you spent a lot of resources on to get just isn't panning out and i think mm-hmm. also like if he if he doesn't react positively not i that's the wrong way to put it if he like if he falters again this year then you you probably want to know sooner than later that and they're, they're giving him a chance to play obviously so they'll see like how he adapts in year two um and is if he's got to play a lot better obviously in year two than he did in, in year one but if he doesn't play better in year two then you you better know now because then you you look to address it next offseason uh you look to address that left tackle position next offseason then continue to go with a guy that probably after two years just isn't going to cut it yeah i guess you know just the hope is that like the the coaching staff wouldn't try to pull the plug too soon because right. you know you have a problem on your hands. If, yeah, if. of course. Yeah, I mean there there'd be calls for it for that to happen, but you're right. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just you can't just pull the plug on him that quickly. Depending on how bad it looks. <laughs> like like if it's if it's Demetrius Bell bad, then yeah, get him out. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but like like if he's wrecking games, or if he's allowing like the the opposing pass rusher to wreck games, then yeah, get him out. But mm-hmm. um if if he shows something you can work with like last year the two games, the first two games that, it, that you know, the, the Cowboys game and the, well, the Vikings game was first and the Cowboys game. Those two games were really bad. Like, he got eaten up in those games. He was better against the Bills and the Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they got behind both in the Vikings and Cowboys games. So, they were kind of just teeing off. Like, they knew that he was going to be passing. And he just didn't mm-hmm. handle it. Against the Bills and the Bears, they got leads in those games. And the Bills game in particular. I think the Bills, the Bears game actually was bad weather, too. Did that game, did that rain that day? No. It was good weather that day? The, I know. I like remember the, the, the Bills Maybe. game, like, the wind in that game was nuts. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> pre-game, you know, up in the press box, we were watching, like, you know, the announcements. They didn't, they didn't have this on TV. But like, you know how, like, the Eagles bring out, like, those uh, – when the players run out of the tunnel, there's those things on each side of the tunnel. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, fire shoots out of them or whatever. Oh no! I guess those are like the, the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's the, there's the fireworks there, but then there's the, those other two big things. They're like are they wings? Is it? I don't remember. I don't even know. But anyway, the the Bills had like these two big like Bills logo things that like you know the players run in between those, and those are just blowing like crazy. Like these are the, these are like big heavy things, and the wind, the wind was just taking those things and like blowing them away. And the the Bills, you know, like I guess pregame crew. I just had to take them and like get them off the field because they were just blowing all over the place. Like I, I've, I haven't been to a game that was that was that windy. That was the, well, that was the windiest game that I that I've ever been to. Went a long way to make a, a pretty not great point here, but the weather wasn't great in those games. But I guess it makes it makes it a little bit easier on uh, on an offensive lineman because you're going to be running the ball a lot. And again, like they had a lead in that game and they had a lead against the Bears. So he played better in both those games, although he did give up bad sacks in each of those games. And then the Seattle game was an absolute disaster when a lot of people forgive that game because he switched over from left tackle to right tackle. And he seemed to know that he was going to be bad in that game prior to that game mm-hmm. even happening. So I think people have put the blame on the Eagles for putting him in that position. And yeah, I think some of that's valid, but at the same time, don't you want to see like, you know, a guy like suck it up and 
and just and just you know go out and and think that he's gonna play well and then actually be competent as opposed to just a total disaster. Like I think people have just completely forgiven that performance. Like they just throw it out. And I don't think you throw that out at all. I think that actually that that should absolutely go into the equation of who he is mentality and as a, uh, mentally and, and also as a player. Like ultimately, when you're judging a player, it's like what all can they do? And versatility is like a plus. And you can't just be like, well, it doesn't matter that he can't play right tackle because he's supposed to play left tackle anyway. I mean, like yes, and that like that's where he should be. But like, don't you want to have more options ideally? <laughs> like, in in case he did need to play there, he, he could instead of being a da- disaster like he was. So, but also just have like that screw it. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play well anyway. Mentality. I think that like JP has that. Like JP mm-hmm. will be like, oh, you're gonna put me in a wide receiver. I'll catch a few passes. <laughs> you know, like I think he feels like he could play it. Like he's confident in himself that he can go out and play anywhere. Whereas Diller doesn't have that. I do want to agree that I think the offensive line depth is improved because yeah, before the Eagles had JP and at left or right guard, I mean, you had what like um, Jordan Mailata or Jack Driscoll was arguably your top swing tackle, and then you had um, who was your backup guard like behind Pryor? Was it like Nate Herbig? Like so they they made immediate. Uh, Sua Opeta, yeah, like, yeah. Dr- again, Driscoll maybe, and then you're you're cross you're cross rating Driscoll as a rookie in a super shortened off season. Yeah, so I do want to definitely agree with that. Although I did want to bring this up, Jimmy, because you wrote in your piece on Philly Voice at the very bottom. I think it was the final line. Okay. So overall, it's hard to find any issues at all with Peter's return to the team. It all okay. feels very positive. So we kind of already talked about the Dillard thing, but I didn't even want to get into that so much as. I think if you're looking for the downside of this move, I mean, it quite clearly goes against, like, Howie Roseman, you know, saying we need a youth movement here. And I'm all for the Eagles bulking up their offensive line. I said that earlier when we did the Brandon Brooks injury podcast, and I said, like, I don't just love sticking with the internal options because, like, it's not a spot to go cheap at. Like, if you're going to invest some more resources into a spot, it is the offensive line. Like, you don't want to mess around and get Carson Wentz hurt or just mess around with a unit that's been so important to the team's success. But, like, again, if you're just trying to, like, making a, a list of the pros and cons, I think it's an absolute con that uh, you bring you have to bring back a 38-year-old tackle or 30-year-old lineman um, when you're trying to get younger. And I think that Jason Peters is probably a better option than Matt Pryor this year. But, like, like how are we going to get to know what Matt Pryor can do Like if he doesn't really get the chance to grow? You look back to the end of the season last year when the Eagles gave all these opportunities, not because they had to, but because really they were forced to, to like young players. And a lot of them stepped up and you got to see that. And that's good. And that's how you get younger, kind of, you know, giving these players chances. Um, So I I think it's kind of, that's the downside. It's opportunity cost. You also look at the fact that, you know, the Eagles are 50.7 million over the cap next year. And any additional cap space they use this year is less space they have to roll over for next year. And now they're giving Jason Peters $3 million guaranteed, and it could be up to $6 million. So you're kind of taking away from what you can roll over. And, you know, obviously we don't even know what the cap situation is going to look like next year. It could be – deals could be hit even harder than we expect because of the pandemic ramifications related to the cap. So if you're looking at this and how the Eagles were over-reliant on Darren Sproles, like – you don't want to see that same pattern happen here. I know it's different situations, different roles, and ultimately, I do think there are positives to Peters bring to bringing Peters back. But I wouldn't say there's like no downside. I disagree with that. So, like, I think you can do both, though. I think you can go with the youth movement and also bring back a lineman who's been in your system for a decade and a half, like in like deep into July. I think you can do both things. So, like, they, they headed into the draft this year 
Was it with eight picks or nine picks? I think it was nine. Well, whatever, whatever it was, they come out of it. They come out of it with ten. So they they pick ten players. So you know you're you're already adding ten rookies to the equation. Like you you get younger that way. They haven't brought back like a lot of the uh, the older veteran guys that like like a Josh McCown or Vinny Carey and so on. So like I think they have sort of gravitated toward that youth movement. But I don't think that like bringing back Peters in you know on July fifteenth or fourteenth or whatever it was. I don't think that that means that well they're off the youth movement now. I think it's just a player that they know super well. They know is a leader in their locker room. They know they have a hole in their offensive line. Like they might already they might already know that they don't want Matt Pryor starting at right guard. Like they might not think highly of him at all. And they just want to make sure they secure that that and I mean, like like we said before, it's not just like we, we both sort of agree that there is probably a decent chance they're gonna bring him back regardless you know whether brandon brooks had you know torn his achilles or not but so i don't know i guess i'm kind of rambling here a little bit but also like as far as the salary cap point goes it's only three million like and if it is six million it's it's still for a guy who's going to start you think if you you view yourself as a super bowl contender you don't want to have a situation where you have this hole in your line and granted like the hole in your line is in between you know, two players who are best at their position in the sport, in my opinion, and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. So maybe it's not that super important of a position, but I still feel a lot more comfortable with Jason Peters there than I would with Matt Pryor. And I get like giving Pryor a chance because he's young. But mm-hmm. again, if you think you're a Super Bowl contender and maybe that's a whole other debate, I'd rather, again, like, like I said, I'd rather just have JP than, than Pryor. Do you, mean, do you have anything interesting to tell me that you haven't told me in a while? Well, Brandon, I do. Did you know that Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors boast over 50 years of combined experience in real estate sales? If you're looking to buy or rent a home, they're dedicated to listening intently and matching individuals and families with the home and neighborhood that best fits their needs. And they're expert negotiators who know the market trends and get you the best price possible. If you're looking to sell your home, Kristen and Stephanie understand that buyers more than ever are doing the bulk of their searching for a new home online. That is why it is paramount that your listing pops off the screen and grabs the buyer's attention. They employ professional photographers, including drone photography for overhead shots. They're experts in interior and exterior design. They can help stage your home. And I actually even help them write their home descriptions on your line. So if you like listed a house with them, I would help actually write the description of your home. Uh, check out Kristen and Stephanie's reviews on Zillow.com. Uh, that's Zillow.com. I said that kind of fast the first time. You won't find a single bad review, like literally not a single four-star review on there. They have a lot of reviews on there, and it's five stars across the board. For a free consultation or a market analysis of your home, call or text Kristen at 856-906-9295. I'll repeat that, 856-906-9295. Or just go to RoachRealtors.com or, you know, just email me, jimmy at phillyvoice.com, and I'll make sure they get the message. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place. 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio episode 128, talking some Jason Peters earlier, Deshaun Jackson earlier. I don't know why I need to tell you that because you already listened to it, probably, <laughs> unless you're coming into the podcast now, yeah, which is a really just, weird point. They could have just parachuted into the 30-minute mark. Possible. Um, but now, Jimmy, I wanted to talk about Sean Jeffrey because you did a big post on him this week on phillyvoice.com, kind of, I guess, clarifying where things stand with him. So, yes. what's the deal? What's yeah, so here? sort of the missing pieces from my – I mean, I've, I've kind of building this over time uh, and just finally put it out uh, this week, but – the big thing is just basically how the team views him. Like I, you know, you and I gave our our opinions of him and and like what the Eagles should do with him based on what we know. What we know is that you know, there's zero question that he is the source. He's Josina Anderson's source. Uh, each of the last uh, two seasons, who you know, sort of bashed Carson Wentz, and uh, even this season, the front office a little bit for not trading for Jalen Ramsey. And so on and so forth. Like, there's zero question it was it was Jeffrey, or at least in terms of how the Eagles view it. Like, it's just viewed as sort of fact within the mm-hmm. building that it was him. So whether you know, I mean, whatever anyone believes, like, like, like I mentioned in the post, like a lot of people like have said, well, there's no you know 100 hard proof. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have a transcript of the text that that uh, Jeffrey and Josina sent back and forth to each other. I wasn't, and it wasn't technically, this was in person. Like I wasn't in like the darkened parking garage where this Mm -hmm. conversation took place. Like, so, so no, I didn't videotape it. So like, no, there's no absolute hard evidence that, that he is the source, but you know, the, the Eagles view that in view it internally as, as him being that guy, like definitively. So if we can move past that, that'd be great. Let's do that. Good. It was him. Fine. So, the next question is that I wrote in the post, like, is it a big deal? And the Eagles don't think it is because they don't view him as sort of like this bad guy. Like he's not like, you know, T.O. bashing maliciously, like bashing McNabb back in the day. Like they, they just kind of viewed uh, both of those situations in each of the last two years as, you know, Jeffrey being kind of like naive and unaware of what can happen if you're just sort of casually – um, communicating with a national reporter who is looking to create headlines, uh, which which is exactly what happened. And you know, I made you know I made the point in the post, like you know, but it happened twice. <laughs> like uh, so, if it happens once and you learn from it, you don't do it again. But it happened twice, so uh, in my view, it should be a big deal. But the Eagles, again, like I said, they don't really view it that way because they think he's a good guy deep down. But and they don't think like he went out of his way to just start crapping on the quarterback in each of the last two years. It's just mm. sort of like a, a dumb thing that he did uh, again twice. And you know this this year it happened to happen the week of a thirty-seven to ten blowout by the Cowboys in Dallas. So that kind of like made it even worse in my opinion. The main 
uh, new info was was that you know, the Eagles don't really think it's a that big of a deal, and um, they don't think that he's worth nothing in terms of like uh, his ability as as a player still. Now, if they if they could trade him, obviously they would have traded him a long time ago. If they could cut him without penalty, without that twenty six million dollar cap hit, they'd have done that ages ago too. Uh, if you if a team came calling and they said, "Hey, we'll throw you a fifth round pick, and you and we'll be happy to eat his uh, ten million guaranteed salary this year," the Eagles would do that in a heartbeat. But uh, as far as uh, his, as far as him getting cut, like that's not going to happen. So they are they already owe him the money one way or the other. And if he can get healthy and he can play, then you know he will play. Because uh, obviously they're not super strong at the wide receiver position, especially at the X position, like the the position that's typically reserved for the bigger receivers. And of course, you know, COVID plays a part in this too, because you know who knows who's even going to be available from week to week uh, during the 2020 season specifically. So if uh, you know a couple guys are are out for in quarantine for 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 a couple weeks, then they'd rather have him than not have him. So it is certainly looking. I mean, I guess a lot of people were sort of on the uh, he's going to be on the team this year train. I hadn't been convinced just yet, but uh, I am now fully convinced that he's going to be on the team this year. Yeah, and, and we'll see what that means, obviously, because he's going to very likely begin the season on the pup list, which means he'll miss at least six games. Yes. And then well, so he- he'll, he'll he'll start training camp for sure on the pup list. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not certain that he will remain on pup when the regular season begins, depending on how his um, recovery from uh, the Liz Frank surgery goes. So the way that Pup works is for the for the for the, the listeners here is you have to go on. The Eagles have to put him on Pup before the start of training camp. He can come. They should off really rename this, by the way. Pup, yeah. <laughs> There's two different versions of it, which is like confusing. Why can't they just have like something that's like the pre-Pup list and then like the actual Pup list? What do you mean by like Pup and NFI? Well, no, Those I mean two like- versions. There's two versions of the oh pup of the pop yeah, like yeah yeah the yeah the yeah. active training camp pup list which you can <laughs> take a player off at any time and then there's the actual regular season pup yeah. list which you yeah like yeah yeah so to explain to the listeners the the Eagles have to put them on pup before the start of training camp mm-hmm. at any time during training camp they can take them off uh, but he has to remain on pup throughout the entirety of training camp like if they take him off he can't go back on so mm-hmm. uh, he has to remain on pup for the entirety of training camp and then it, when if they're going to use him. If they're going to put him on pop for the for the regular season, that is. So they'd have a decision to make. If you remain on pop throughout the entirety of training camp, they'd have a decision then at the start of the regular season whether they wanted to keep him on pop. And if they did, then he would miss the first six games. If uh, they took him off, then you know he he has to be part of he has to be part of your fifty three man roster. So he takes up a roster spot. So my guess would be that he'll probably be on pop to start the regular season. I'm mm-hmm. you know I'm almost certain that he'll be on pop at for the start of training camp. I think he'll probably be on pup for the start of the regular season, but I'm not as certain on that one. Yeah, I mean, he's coming off a of list rank, which, you know, you look at Jalen Mills, kind of had a similar injury, took him a full calendar year to yeah. get back on the field. Um, and and that he was did remain Mills. on pup for the rem- for the whole season. And he, yeah, and he got and he hurt, got hurt sooner than Alshon yeah. did. Yeah, and for the Alshon, it was mid-December last year. And also, just talking to Dr. Edwin Porras, who we had on BGN Radio, a couple months ago about different injury things, including Alshon Jeffries' outlook for 2020. 
Um, he was pretty down on Alshon's outlook, like okay. not very encouraged. Kind of pointed out some good numbers uh, in terms of like useful uh, insight on list frank injuries, and then just at the wide receiver position too. Just really like just really not encouraging stuff about Alshon's outlook this year. So even Doug has kind of talked in a, and he hasn't said it outright, but he like just just reading like close reading Doug. He's been like not he, first of all like. He's mentioned receivers that are that are gonna like you know make an impact this year. It was left Jeffrey out completely, and then mm-hmm. I, there was one press conference in particular. I forget exactly what he said, but he was he sort of alluded to the to him you know not being ready for the start of the regular season. Yeah, they keep saying the the, the whatever the company line is about Alshon, it's always the priority is like getting him healthy. Like, yes, that's that's the number one line, which tells yeah, which tells to me like. Okay, that is the number one focus. Like, they're not just counting. They're clearly just not counting on him from the jump. It's not like, oh, he's fine. The rest of the receiver position, Jimmy, just going through my uh, breakdown. We're both doing, like, these uh, preview training camp series, position previews. And, like, the wide receiver position, we've talked about it a lot this offseason, so don't have to get into everything. But just, like, trying to envision the starting lineup again, it's just so weird. Because, like, okay, I think you have Deshaun in there, but, like, who else is starting on this team? Like, right. like who are the start? Like, where, where's everyone lining up? Is Jalen Rager even a starter? Is Greg Ward like the slot receiver? Is JJ going to be starting in the X role? Is Alshon <laughs> right. not going to be like? It's just there's so much uncertainty there still, um, which is part of why I feel like there's fair criticism for that position. You know, after what it is last year and the fact that you're here going into the season with like so much uncertainty. There's no like sure thing other than Deshaun who, you know, is obviously prone to injury. And now you have this other off-the-field thing going on with him where that's going to be monitored moving forward. There's no, like, just, you know, set it and forget it kind of option there. Yeah, I mean, we we learned from Doug, uh, you know, a month ago or whatever it was, that also Jalen Rager is only going to train at the Z position behind Deshaun. So they're mm-hmm. not going to try to cross-train him like they did with JJ, for example, last year, which, you know, arguably was maybe not <laughs> the best idea. But like, if you look at like, if you try to match players' size and skill set to each position within the West Coast offense, like JJ would be your X receiver, and Deshaun would be your Z, and then like Greg Ward would be your slot. But I can't imagine them just not putting Jalen Rager on the field if he shows anything in camp. Like he's, mm-hmm. they're gonna put him on the field with Deshaun, right? Like you're not just gonna have him on the. If he has a good camp, if he like makes plays and. Is it's pretty clear that he's going to help your offense. You're not going to have him on the bench just because he's only learned the Z position behind Deshaun. Like they're going to get those two guys on the field at the same time. You think, right? They have to. What what else are they going to do? <laughs> right. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like he's going to sit. It's not like he's, he's like he's not going to play unless Deshaun's on the bench. Uh, just because he's tra- he's only trading at the Z position. Like that's ridiculous. Like he's going to play, obviously. So mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it is kind of. Um, I don't know if it can just really be easily defined, um, you know, who, who's going to play what position and, and when. I think they're just going to uh, – I, mean, I, I think they're just going to kind of wing it maybe. <laughs> it's mm. like it's, – uh, That sounds good. And then you have other guys like, uh, you know, who, who knows if uh, John Hightower is going to show anything or Quez Watkins mm. or, you know, who knows what um, – Or Goodwin. You know, Mark Marquis Goodwin's going to look like in camp. So, uh, I mean – they can go a number. They can go like all. It's one of the. I wouldn't even call like wide receiver a training. I, I can say it is kind of like a training camp battle, quote unquote. But 
it's for from our perspective, it's really going to be more about sort of piecing together how these guys are going to be used. Jimmy, we'll take one more break here before we get some NFC East talk. So before we actually hit that break, I want to tell you that BGN Radio, as you know, is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Sticks are served at the Eagles Nova Care Complex Fueling Station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced, all-natural black Angus beef, and they are committed to elevating meat snacks category of superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors. My recent favorite is the Maryland Monroe, which has a nice, uh, you know, kind of, a seasoning of us from a certain place that you you might recognize, which I it's think is Maryland good. Monroe, to be clear, not Maryland. Yes, Monroe. Maryland Monroe. Think Maryland. Uh, what's, your, what, what's your latest favorite, Jimmy? I like the Victorious uh, Big. Okay, good name. Not to be confused with Victorious Blg. Mm, yeah, it's it's stout infused good. meat that's peppery and sweet, but actually, like it's good with uh, beer. So you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. You could try the flavors that we just recommended, or you could try OG Hickory. You could go with Baby Blues Barbecue, Habanero Escobar. There's a lot of good flavors. Uh, you could do the newly released Fal Capone Turkey Jerky that Jimmy has mentioned in the past. So a lot of options. And there's no limit on how many times you can use that discount code BGN15. Make like your favorite team and load up on the same meat snacks the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy, back after this. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 128, Brindley Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky. Final segment is about the NFC East, which is what we were talking about before uh, our, our most recent BGN Radio episodes where we talked about the, why the division could be a dumpster fire, including the Eagles, so make sure you check out those it's episodes. getting worse somehow. by the minute. Yeah, if you didn't, I want to start with Dallas, Jimmy, because and I think we already talked about Dak, and I kind of went on a rant about him before. Yeah. But I really kind of just want to do it again, which is why I'm bringing <laughs> it up. Uh, okay. I thought I had a a good post on this bleedinggreennation.com okay where i kind of explained why this is a good thing for the eagles oh it's a great cowboys, thing it's, it's they're they're in a terrible position the the cowboys yes. clear, are in a terrible position you look at you know the way the quarterback market is going up and i want to add the caveat here again like i don't know how the 
you know, COVID is going to impact the cap in the future. So I'm kind of just brushing that aside. I'm just, from what we do know is what I'm operating mm-hmm. under. And you look at uh, the situation the Cowboys are in. And to me, my theory is that the Cowboys are reluctant to pay Dak Prescott because they know he's a quarterback you win with and not win because of. And they know you have to pay him like That's the right. latter. And the problem with doing that, though, is because when he's not a guy that kind of lifts all boats around him, that limits the talent the Cowboys can acquire if, you know, they're dedicating more of those cap resources to Dak Prescott. So that's like the catch-22 situation they're in. And I want to point out, like, this Dak Prescott situation mirrors the one that Kirk Cousins was in mm-hmm. because Washington was reluctant to sign Kirk to a long-term deal for the same reasons. Like, he posted good stats, Dak posts good stats, but what has that really translated into? Like, has that translated into meaningful team success? The Cowboys have one playoff win since Dak has been the starting quarterback. And as I always like to point out, that was help from like the Seahawks being so stupid. You look at Russell Wilson's numbers in that game. He played a lot better than Dak Prescott did. It's just they didn't give him the chance to pass the yeah. ball as much. They they were so committed to the run and it lost them the game. Bringing up Kirk Cousins, Jimmy, the Cousins situation has worked out to where, you know, he, he was tagged twice and then he became the first player in NFL history to receive a lucrative, like fully guaranteed contract. Like, unprecedented deal so like why wouldn't Dak force the Cowboys to do the same for him or another team you know like keep playing on the tag he's getting big money why would he accept any deal by the way it's so silly like the Cowboys are offering these contracts like through reports at least where they're not even giving Dak as much as he would make if he just played on the tag the next couple years he has no reason not to play on the tag like the tag is just the more lucrative route and this is something I didn't know until this week but I think it's really interesting you look at uh, the fact that Dak Prescott is the eighth quarterback to be designated as a franchise player since 1993, but only two have actually played a season under the tag. And do you know who those two players are, Jimmy? I do, yeah, because I only because I wrote about it this morning. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it was it's, Drew Brees yep. uh, back in uh, 20 or, sorry uh, 2005, and it was Kirk Cousins in both 16 and 17. Yes. Yeah. So and, and then he gets a is, full he's a fully guaranteed deal, the first of its kind. When he becomes mm-hmm. a free agent, you know that 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 the the you know, the next off season. And what is the common thread between those two players? And it is that both went on to sign deals with different teams. Yes, you know, eventually, and that's significant. And I just think the way I see it, like the Eagles can enjoy the Cowboys either one like having to pay Dak Prescott a lot more money than he's truly worth, and a lot more money than they would have had to pay if they just were smart about it and paid him earlier. Because like, I don't know what waiting accomplishes. Or two, they're going to botch this situation to where they lose him. Like those are the those are the outcomes there. And I think either of those is like a big win for the Eagles. You look at the fact that Carson Wentz only is making thirty two, like again only in quotes here, thirty two million. Like that's seventh most in the league, and that's only going to drop as more quarterbacks, including Dak Prescott, get paid. Now you know Carson Wentz doesn't have a playoff win to his name, but to me, I look at it as. The Eagles don't win the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. Like For I think sure. that is an incredibly true statement. And you look at the fact that, like the way I can spin it or phrase it, whatever, is that Carson Wentz put the team in such good position that year. Like they were so great, and they had home field advantage in the playoffs. Like they were able to rally around a backup quarterback and win. Like that is a testament to Carson Wentz. That shouldn't just be a detraction from him. The takeaway for me there is that. We know the Eagles can be true title contenders with Carson Wentz. Like, we know that. They can be a Super Bowl contender. Like, can you say the same for the Cowboys under Dak Prescott? Like, can you really say that they can be, you know, a Super Bowl, strong Super Bowl contender 
let alone a Super Bowl favorite with Dak Prescott? I don't think that question is answered yet. And the fact that the Cowboys would have to pay this crazy deal to Dak Prescott, which seems inevitable, inevitable to me. I mean, you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes making literally like half a billion dollars here. Uh, and I don't think Dak is going to get the same contract as Mahomes. But, I mean, Deshaun Watson's probably going to sign a deal here at some point, And that could make, you know, Dak's costs go up. And after the 2020 season, you know, a, a whole new group of quarterbacks are going to be eligible for contract extensions. I think like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Baker Mayfield, right? Like a bunch of guys, I guess Sam Darnold too, like, there's yeah, you'll, you'll have veterans coming up too. That'll that whose contracts will be coming up too. Like it's not yep. even guys that are getting their second contract. You'll have other vets that that are going to yep. screw up. You know, they're going to mess it up as well. So I think the Cowboys really screwed this up, and I think they're in a really bad spot with this. And I think Dak is in a good spot. Like people are saying, Dak is greedy or he's dumb or what? I don't think that's true. No way. Nope. No, he's it's, it's a it was a no brainer. So the reported best offer that they made was between thirty three and thirty five million a year. Um, a hundred guaranteed and they were the Cowboys were adamant that they wanted five years where Dak wanted four so if you take the best if you take the best possible version of that range it's 35 million so that's 175 million for five years which sounds great (laughs) you know what I mean but still a no-brainer for him to turn it down because the 100 million guaranteed is that so like I wrote about this today but it's only 57 percent of that 175, whereas like you look at Wentz's contract, his um, 107.9 million guaranteed of his 128 is 84 percent. Goff's, you know, Jerry Goff's one uh, ten, one ten million guaranteed of 134 million ga- of of the total deal is 82 percent. So it's a big difference in terms of like how much actually is guaranteed, and the Cowboys want that extra fifth year because five years from now. That contract is going to look like minuscule that compared to like what it, what what it is right now. So you know, you look at him on the on the cap next year. His uh, well, first of all, let's let's take a step back. You mentioned previously that like they only have one playoff win to show for his four years on on his rookie contract. So mm-hmm. year one, his cap number is five hundred and forty five k, six hundred and thirty five k year two. 725k year three. That's you know what the percentage of the cap that is? It's 0.3%, 0.4%, and 0.4%. He gets a bump in 2019 because of his playing time, so he's up to 2.1 million that year. Is 1.1% of the team's cap. So like they had a quarterback making nothing for four years, and they win one play, they have one playoff game to show for it. Then this year, it jumps up to 31.4 on the on the on the tag. So. They're already seeing the effect of that. They lost Byron Jones in free agency. They lost Robert Quinn in free agency. They lost, you know, other guys like Randall Cobb and uh, Malik. Um, what's his name? Uh, the defensive tackle. His name is escaping me right now. Um, but you know, good young players. Oh. Yes. So they're they're losing all these guys as a result of this big bump in pay. Now he's he's made on the tag. He's making fourteen point four percent of the team's cap, and then next year. That goes like it's going to go up 120 percent. So next year they're looking at it's 37.69 million. So basically just under 38 million. They tag him again the next year, which will never happen. But it would be 144 percent of that number, or 54 million. So like he's he's well positioned. 
to just play on the tag next year as well. Well, I mean, if he gets it, basically it's one of three outcomes next year. He either gets the monster deal that he's looking for from the Cowboys. He gets a big raise on number two. Would be, he gets a big raise on the second tag. Or number three, he'll just become an unrestricted free agent. And then team like teams with bad quarterbacks will be falling all over each other like they were for Kirk Cousins. And he's going to get some monster deal on the open market. So like you said, there's really not a great outcome here for the Cowboys. Because they're going to have to pay him on, you know, year to year on the tag. And by the way, like we mentioned all the time about the Eagles and their, you know, dicey cap situation coming up uh, in 2021. Well, that applies to the Cowboys, too, in the situation because he's going to get a big raise if they tag him again. And, you know, the cap might not rise because the revenues are down league-wide because of the coronavirus outbreak. I mean, they're in a bad situation because they either pay him more on a long-term deal, they pay him more on the tag, or they lose him. And they're basically, they're basically starting over with uh, either a rookie quarterback or they're bringing in some worse, worse veteran who's going to be a little bit cheaper. Jimmy, which NFL player has made the most money since 2016? We've already mentioned him. It's Kirk Cousins. Oh, it's Kirk it? Cousins okay. has made the most because yeah, because he he's because he played it right, right on the tag, yeah, on the tag. And, yeah, and then he got the guaranteed deal. Yeah, and he got that crazy deal. Like this is this is the path in front of Dak. Like he's no reason to take a deal that doesn't pay him like crazy money. He has the leverage. And yeah, so just to kind of rephrase that there to speak to how bad the spot of the Cowboys are in. And I think the Eagles can enjoy that. And uh, yeah, uh, last thing I had, Jimmy, before we head out here, just real quick, don't even want to dive too deep into this because we don't even have the information. <laughs> right. But uh, Jimmy, exclusive sources tell it's, me. By no the way, this, this will probably be out by the time uh, by the time we uh, Post publish this. this. <laughs> so. or at least I, I kind of hope it is because <laughs> all these reporters keep tweeting I can't, that. I can't take it anymore. It's it's really – it's like, oh, big news coming. Washington, something bad. And we'll see what it is. Um, I will say that just not knowing anything about this and kind of just putting out a general thought, if this has anything to do with, like, Dan Snyder being forced out, I mean, that's obviously terrible That's bad for the Eagles, for, for sure, yeah. The Eagles. Now, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say, like, it shouldn't happen. Like, if he did something terrible, yeah, get him out of there. I mean, pro- like, get him out of – like, maybe get him out of there now just as, like, a, a moralistic you know, standpoint. Like – like I don't, I don't think he like deserves to be there. I'm not trying to, to and just in the the general like you know not Eagles context like you know Dan Snyder probably you know not the most upstanding citizen or whatever. But also don't sue me, Dan Snyder. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, if he's gone, that's that's terrible for the Eagles. So it's a bad day uh, for the Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys if he's if he sells the team, mm-hmm. if that ever happens, because he's keeping that franchise like bottom five. As for as long as he's around, mm-hmm. so yeah, to be determined what uh what all these there's big news coming. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's big news. I hate I hate that more than anything. Baldy was guilty of that uh, this week with the Eagles are gonna they're making it, they're gonna get a lot better this week. There's someone number Jason Peters at guard. Come on, man! Like really, I hate well, it so Baldy's much. Baldy's never been prone to hyperbole, so. <laughs> But even just the idea of like something big's coming, but uh, like say what it is or shut the f up, you mm. know what I mean? I can't stand that, and it's becoming rampant in today's sports journalism. I think my understanding is like, you know, you would know this better than I would, but that's really bad in the in like NBA reporting, right? Yeah, and it's, it is. It's really creeping into the NFL now too, and I hate it. I hate it. 
Because then these, and it's like, oh, so-and-so got the scoop. No, they didn't, because they didn't say what it was. They just said something's mm-hmm. going to happen. And then something happens, and they get credit for, for you know, breaking. They didn't break shit. Get out of here. <laughs> Sorry. Jimmy, do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? <laughs> well, I could go on for another 10 minutes about that. But uh, I don't think anyone wants to hear that. Uh, any other thoughts? No, just, uh, yeah, I guess so. So, like, there was good um, surf. This week, there was like a tropical storm that passed by in the Atlantic Ocean that brought some swells in. It's rare for that to happen in July, but that was nice to get some surfing in. I'm out for like, I was out for like, I don't know, two hours on Tuesday, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I come back to shore and like, I can barely like, you've been on the beach where like, you try to look at your phone, but it's so bright out, you can barely see anything. Well, I can, I'm looking at my phone, I can barely see anything on there, but there's like a ton of stuff on there. And I'm like, oh, crap, something happened. Because like a lot of people were trying to get in touch with me, like, you know, from, from like Philly Voice and then like, you know, text from the Eagle saying that something happened and like Twitter notifications and stuff like that. It's like, oh, what happened? And I could see like they signed Jason Peters. So lesson learned is if you want to get into – uh, like covering the Eagles or some other professional sports team, you basically give up the right to have a life or, you know, not have your phone on you constantly. If you feel tethered to your phone all the time, <laughs> you can yeah. use hashtag BTN phone. That's it. B- hashtag BTN phone to, <laughs> yeah. to tell us about how you're uh, tethered to your phone in your life too. Or if you surf, also want to throw out hashtag what? What's a good hashtag? For uh, BGN hashtag- surfing. Hashtag, well, how about hashtag BGN surfing or hashtag BGN surfs up? I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go BGN surfs up. Yeah. BGN surfs up. Yeah. Um, actually, let me know if you, I actually uh, met some, uh, some Eagles fans on the beach, of course, socially distanced. We, we kept our distance, but somebody mm-hmm. saw me and uh, they were kind enough to say hello. But yeah, so they, they saw me with my board and whatnot. <laughs> so if you haven't already, and even if you have, do it again. Leave us a rating, review on iTunes. It'd be nice to, to get some of those in there in this slow time. Well, you have some time. You know, not much else going on in the sports world or maybe even the world in general. I uh, just want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of BGN Radio presented by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Don't forget to use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. That has been Michael He Kissed. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael Kissed NFL. I have been Benjamin Solak. You can follow me at on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. And we will talk to you next time here on BGN Radio. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media and beyond, The world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. 
Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.